platform, and um, sermon didn't get recorded, and so you didn't get a chance to kind of hear where we started, but just basically the, the whole premise of the message last week, the purpose of prayer, the primary purpose of prayer is not to persuade God to do what we want him to do, but the primary purpose of prayer is that we would be properly formed, that prayer shapes us, it molds us, it makes us into who God is wanting us to be. And so prayer is part of this journey, not persuading God, trying to convince God to do what we want, but properly forming who we are. And this morning I want to start with the story of a man named Jacob. And Jacob, excuse me, Jacob is a man who wrestles with God. And when he wakes up in the morning, who he was, was gone. A man who met God, used God, wrestled with God until he was broken and blessed and made into a new man. Jacob is one of the patriarchs of Israel. And it's in this story that Jacob has this encounter, this incredibly personal, deep encounter with God. And it changes who he is. So Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after He had sent them across the stream. He sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that it was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Jacob is um, twin of a brother named Esau sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And Esau is the oldest, just by a few seconds, few minutes, and he comes out first. And he's given this name Esau because he is hairy. He is covered with hair, and that's what his name means, hairy. And so hairy comes out first. And right on his heels, literally, um, it says Jacob comes out grasping the heel of his brother Esau. And that's what his name means. It means heel grabber. But there's kind of a, a different nuance or innuendo to it. It's not just simply heel grabber. 
It's heel grabber, smooth talker, place taker, people user, hustler, deceiver. See, Jacob is going to spend his life trying to position people for his prosperity. He's going to try to spend his life putting himself and putting others in the place that can most benefit him, that can help him the most. And so whether it's a birthright and a blessing, whether it's finding safety and shelter, or wealth and a wife, he's constantly trying to position people for his benefit. That's what the name Jacob means. Heel grabber, smooth talker, place taker, people user. And so he positions people. And he has this great opportunity one day to get the blessing that his brother rightfully owned. But yet he positions himself and he positions his brother and his father for his benefit. And he takes what belongs to his brother and he comes to the realization that he's been pretending to be someone else and now he has to run from the life that he's created. And so he flees to his uncle Laban. He flees to Laban's house to find safety and shelter and security. Positioning him for what can help him. And he thinks that that's enough. But then Laban offers more. He said, what else can I give you? Jacob thinks about it and says, well, I would love to have your daughter, Rachel. And so he works out a deal that he can use his position and his place to get a wife. And then the tables are turned is the deceiver is deceived. As he switches, Laban switches his daughter and he gives him the ugly one. It says, the NIV cleans it up, makes it nice. She had weak eyes. She's ugly. And he works a deal and says, okay, I'll, I'll take her, I'll keep her but I still want Rachel. And he ends up with these two wives, Leah and Rachel, as he's running from this life that he's created. And then Jacob comes to this inevitable place where he finds out that Esau is coming to meet him. And he knows what he's done. He knows the history And he knows the terms on which he left. Because Esau vowed to his mother and father that I, when Isaac dies, will kill my brother. And 20 years have passed, and he's pretty sure that the thing hasn't changed. And so Esau coming at him, he's going to have to go and meet him, and there's 400 men with Esau. And so one night, Jacob sends everything he has, all of his possessions, all of his people across the stream to wait. I think, again, positioning people 
to take the brunt of the blow, positioning people and putting them in between him and his brother, using them for his benefit. And Jacob goes, and he sits down at night where he's going to rest. And then, just like that, he's tackled from behind. And he begins to wrestle, and he begins to struggle, because finally the inevitable has happened. His brother has found him. Esau is there. It has to be Esau wrestling with him and fighting with him. And as he wrestles and he struggles, he begins to realize, this can't be my brother. My brother's hairy. And I don't know who this is. And throughout the night, they wrestle and they fight. And at times, it seems like Jacob's winning. And at other times, it seems like this man is winning. And then, as daybreak approaches, something miraculous happens. He touches his hip, and it's dislocated. He touches his hip, and he has excruciating pain. He touches his hip, and there is the realization that this man could have done this at any point in the night, and yet he wrestled with me, and he fought with me, and we went back and forth, and he could have done this at any point, and he didn't. Who is this man? What does he want with me? Can you imagine the anxiety that would come from this inevitable meeting? Going to meet your brother who vowed to kill you, to reconcile and make the relationship white, right? And then in the middle of the night, you're attacked from behind and you know who it has to be. And yet it's not. And for the entire night, Jacob is trying and struggling and wrestling, trying to get away from this man. And then, as daybreak approaches, he says, let me go. And Jacob will not let him go. He tries and struggles all night long to get away, and now he has the chance to get away, and he won't let him go. He's got God by the hill. And he can get something from him. See, this isn't the first time Jacob thought he had God by the hill. When he fleed from his brother, before he got to his uncle Laban, he makes a deal with God. He has this prayer and he says, God, if you will make me prosperous and happy and give me possessions, then... I will give you a tenth of all I have. See, his grandfather did this. But the circumstances were a little bit different. Abraham, after God had blessed him and blessed him and taken care of him, Abraham said, because of what you have done, I'm going to give you a tenth of all I have. And it comes out of this place of thanksgiving and worship. And here's Jacob positioning God, using God to get what he wants. God, if you will, bless me and make me prosperous 
and give me possessions and give me family, then I will give you a tenth of all I have. He's making a deal with God. And for the most part, God does. God blesses him, and he makes him prosperous. And I think Jacob has the thing, I got, I got God by the hill. And I think God thinks, I've only got my foot in the door. Jacob thinks, I've got God by the hill. And God says, I've just got my foot in the door. And where we are right now, Jacob, is not where I plan on leaving you. There's this journey that we're going to go on together. And who you are is not who you will be. And so he says, let me go. And Jacob says, no, 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 I got, a, I got another chance to get what I need. I won't let you go unless you will bless me. And then he asks him this question. He says, what is your name? Now, this is the second time Jacob's been asked this question. The first time he was asked this question was asked by his father. And his father asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Esau. He, he was pretending to be someone he was not to get something that did not belong to him. And he creates this alternate identity, and he is forced to run from it. And now the angel, the man that's wrestled with him all night, asks him the same question again, and this time he says, my name is Jacob. My name is Jacob, heel grabber, people user, smooth talker, place taker, deceiver, hustler. And then, in the dark of the night, is a new day is dawning. This man looks at Jacob and says, your name will no longer be Jacob. But it will be Israel. Israel. The name means God wrestler. You have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. And who you were is not who you will be. From this day forth, you will have a new name. You will have a new identity. And never again does Jacob use another person. He stops trying to position people for his prosperity. He stops trying to take advantage of people and put them in the place where they need to be for his best interest. He takes on this new identity and he calls this place Peniel because there he has seen the face of God. And then the encounter with his brother happens. It says, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. 
And so he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. And he put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. And then listen to this. He himself went on ahead. The the whole time Jacob's been positioning people in front of him, trying to make sure that he is protected, trying to make sure that other people take the brunt. And now he flips it. And he doesn't position other people in front of him. He positions himself in front of them. That he's willing, he himself is willing, if it needs to be, to lay down his life for those behind him. And he went on ahead of them, And he bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. This sound familiar? This running and embracing and weeping is the same language of the prodigal son where a father and son are reconciled. Here, it's brother and brother who are reconciled and the relationship is restored. He positions himself in front. He stops trying to use people. He stops trying to position people for his prosperity and for his best interest and he goes in front. There's a really famous Jewish rabbi later on who was going to say, whoever wants to lose, whoever wants to keep their life must lose it. Whoever wants to save their life must lose it. That's what Jacob does. Because I'm willing to position myself with this new identity. Because the man does bless him. But the blessing looks different than Jacob expected. Because Jacob expected the blessing to come in the form of possessions, I think. Or safety, protection. But instead, the blessing comes in the form of a new identity. Jacob, a man who wrestled with God, used God, then wrestled with God until he was broken and blessed and made into a new man. Who wrestled with God all night long, and when he woke up in the morning, who he was was gone. And he says, for the second time in this young day, I've seen the face of God. In verse 10, he says, If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favorably. That twice in this day, 
Jacob has seen the face of God in grace offered to him by someone else. Jacob's seen the face of God through someone else extending him mercy and grace. You want to know what the face of God looks like? It looks like someone offering their life as a sacrifice for someone else's. Laying down their life in their best interest. See, Jacob would say, in this moment of wrestling, I thought God had abandoned me. But yet God was never closer than in this moment. Because it was God that had me in a headlock. And I wrestled through the night, trying to escape. And it was God who was on top of me. In this dark, long, lonely night, God was forming and shaping who I am. See, the primary purpose of prayer is not to persuade God to do what we want God to do. But the primary purpose of prayer is that we would be properly formed. Prayer forms the way, it shapes the way that we see God. It forms and shapes the way that we see ourselves. It forms and shapes the ways that we see other people. See, because if you were to listen to my prayers most of the time, you would think my world or our world revolved around me. Because most of my prayers end up being selfish and shallow. And they come from places of anxiety and anger and arrogance. And anxious people will pray anxious prayers. Angry people will pray angry prayers. Arrogant people will pray arrogant prayers. And it is a dangerous place to begin to think that your world is the world. And the purpose of prayer is to pull us out of our world. And seeing ourselves as the center of the universe into a place where we see God as the center of the world and that everything revolves around Him. And as we do that, we begin to see ourselves and we begin to see others differently. There's a story of an ancient Jewish rabbi named Rabbi Pinchas. And I've I've told this story before. But one, one day, his disciples come to him and they say, Rabbi, when is it, when is the precise moment that evening is over and a new day has come? And as the rabbi does, he asks his disciples, well, tell me, what, what do you think? When is the precise moment when night has ended and the morning has come? And one of the disciples jumps up and says, well, well, Rabbi, is it the moment that you can tell a sheep from a wolf? And he says, no, no, that's not it. 
And another one jumps in and says, well, is it the moment that you can tell a date tree from a fig tree? No. No, that's not it either. Well, Rabbi, when is the moment that night becomes day? And the wise old rabbi looks at his disciples. He says, it's the moment when you can look into the face of another human being and see your brother or sister. Maybe estranged, maybe wondering, maybe searching, but still made in the image of God and deeply loved by Him. Prayer is what changes the way we see God. Talked a little bit last week about liturgy and prayers that, that I've come to, to pray over the last several years that I think have been very formative. And as we kind of wrap up this morning, I want to kind of go through that exact same thing again today. And, and if you were here last week, these are going to be prayers that you heard last week. And, and I, I want to do that on purpose. Because I believe these prayers are forming the way that I see the world. And they're, they're, they're transforming the way that I pray. They're transforming what I pray for when I begin to just simply pour my heart out to God. And so I want to invite you just to bow with me for just a few moments. And some of these prayers are, are very old prayers. Some of these prayers are straight from Scripture. Father God, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of Israel, God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the true and living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have mercy and hear our prayer. O Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourself. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. 
that we may delight in your will and walk in your way to the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You provide a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My body longs for you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, you are so good to us. And Father, we have such a, a, an incredible tendency to fall into this trap of thinking the world revolves around us. And Father, it does not. It is about you. It is all about you. It is the reason we exist. It is the reason we wake up. And Father, we join in with the angels and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. Father, we pray that you would use our lives as frail and feeble as they are for your plans and your purposes. Father, that the world would know Jesus Christ and that our lives would be transformed in the way that we see you, the way that we see other people, and the way that we see ourselves. That we would be reminded of our proper place in this world.
God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of this earth. And you sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere would seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold and pour out your Spirit upon all flesh. And hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, we pray today that you would reign in this place. And Father, that you would transform us into people who wrestle with you. Who you are changing and molding and shaping. People who have wrestled you and woke up in the morning broken but new. Father, that, that we realize Jacob is not given a new identity in spite of his brokenness. But Father, because of his brokenness. Father, we pray as we surrender and submit our lives to you, you would transform who we are. For the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. As I've focused over the last several years on trying to learn how to pray found that this works really well for me and I don't think everyone has to pray like I do or pray the things that I pray but I would encourage you to find somewhere to start and we'll talk more about that next week if it's the Psalms that's um, an amazing place to start but allowing words to transform and change our lives to where we embrace this new identity that we've been given of Jesus not only that we would see the face of God but that others would see the face of God in our lives as well and if you've never given your life to Christ we would offer you that invitation this morning. Come to Him. Wrestle with Him. Be broken. Be made new. And we come out on the other side of the water with this new identity, this new name, belonging to God. If we could pray for you in any way, we'll have ministry staff and shepherds around the auditorium, whatever your need. Come while we stand and sing. As you sing, Lord, he's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes, he'll show it to you. Have you ever stood at the ocean? With the white foam at your feet, 
felt the endless thundering motion. Then I say, you see, Jesus.